Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Conversations from Being, inspired by the book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan Thompson. Join us each week with the intention of expanding your state of being, and your experience will be remarkable. Remember, this is a podcast about being. It is a podcast about you. To explore more deeply, visit theultimatecoachbook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B. Welcome back. My name is Philip Barty, and today's episode is called The Four Words That Created an Olympic Champion. It's really an extraordinary story, and my guest here who's going to share it with us is the wonderful Lindsay Cat. Lindsay, so good to be here with you. Thank you. I'm excited to share all of this with everybody. Lindsay and I, we started talking a little just before we hit record, and she shared such an amazing story. I just had to stop her and said, save it, save it. I want to hear this fresh, and I want to be with it. So you're in for a treat, I promise you. Listen to some. This is an extraordinary story of possibility from adversity. It is a story of Ronnie. And I'll let you introduce who Ronnie is and take it from there. Okay, thank you. So I I have three children. I have my eldest, Ellie, who's now 22. And then I have my middle child, Ronnie. So I had experience of being a mother with my eldest, Ellie. And then you have your second child. And anybody who has a second child knows that you compare everything to your first. And so when Ronnie was born, he did everything differently. He didn't do the speaking, the goo-goo, the gargars. He reacted very differently. He ate very differently. He didn't play like I'd experienced before. And so I noticed that all my expectations of what Ronnie should or shouldn't be doing was being challenged. He used to hum He didn't say words. He used to bang his head off the floor. Extreme behaviours. He would claw at his face and throw his head back. There would be such a frustration and a fear in me of not knowing why my little baby was not happy and why things weren't going to plan. And over the period of the first year, the healthcare and the professionals were, oh, it's just the way, you know, babies are, they're different. And then in the second year, I couldn't take him swimming at play groups and the mum's groups. He would just sit facing a wall with one train and it had to be that train. And he would just move it side to side for a whole hour And if I tried to intervene, he would scream and claw at his face and the noise and everyone would be staring and looking and there would be that feeling inside of me of helplessness. 
so much of that time was so challenging. And when I asked for the help from the social, well, it wasn't social workers, it was social care and the professionals and the midwives, it was wait until he's at school. And when he's at school, if there's a problem, then you get the help, which to me was insanity. Why would we wait? for him to have severe issues in his learning years. Why can't we intervene now and help and support? So I took video footage because it was so severe. I needed people to see what I was seeing and hear what I was hearing. And in taking the video footage over and over, I then went and actually protested at the um, social centre. So where the midwives were, there was also the psychologist, child psychologist, and um, they refused to see me. So I actually made a stand and protested and said I wasn't going to move until somebody watched this video footage. The police were called. It was horrific. Um, I was treated like some kind of, you know, crazy woman you do become crazy when you love so intensely and feel helpless. You will do anything to be heard. Mm. And so from there, the lady was coming out. I was so fortunate. It's like the universe had my back. The lady came out of the office and she just said, get off of her. And this lady had been in the industry for 50 years and was retiring that day. It was her last session. She said she lifted up me up and, and said, come into my office. And through her heart, through her being, she watched my video footage. I was in a real state and I said, please just watch it. Please see what I see. And um, she watched it and instantaneously she gave me the diagnosis that my son was severely on the autistic spectrum. And I had no idea around autism. And I said, what does that mean? What's the implications of that? And she said, he probably won't go to mainstream school. He won't make friends like other children. He won't speak to you and say, I love you and I feel this. And he probably won't drive a car. He'll need assistance for the rest of his life. In the, in the fact that I had pushed for it, in that moment, my heart sank where I came out of that office. Although I wanted the help, that diagnosis felt like that my child had died in the possibility of what mm -hmm. was possible for him. That caused tremendous strain on my relationship um, with, with his father. And there was a, on his side, like a, he'll be fine you know, just to cast off. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I was working for child protection and social services at the time. And I knew that I had absolutely no hope of learning how to be his mum because I had no idea how to love into this dictation, this, this need. I, I didn't know how. So I gave up my job. I learned the autistic spectrum and the whole variance of it. And I learned also something called PECS, which is Picture Education Dictation System, which is how to communicate through pictures. Mm -hmm. And so I created a whole book 
I took thousands of photographs of Ronnie's environment and world and I laminated those down into very small little squares on a Velcro book and we learned to communicate together with pictures. And from there, it would only be grunts like, uh, uh, but it was a communication. And then I found a school, a primary school, where I asked them to come and observe Ronnie and could I sit in and teach the teaching staff how to communicate using this picture book? It was the book of Ronnie, really. You know, yeah. we had the book of being. I had the book of Ronnie. And uh, this amazing headmaster who my youngest daughter is now in the school. So um, she's 11. He said yes. And that was the revelation where... Through the consistency, Ronnie started speaking at five. Now, I also found him a club at gymnastics where he was free because the constraints and the dictation of how he had to be in the baby groups and the clubs, he couldn't hold. So I found gymnastics where he was free to express himself and do what he wanted to do, how he wanted to do it. Roll it on. Ronnie learnt to use his isms, that's what I call his special, unique ways of being, to actually create a magnificent world for himself without his, his insight, just with my ability to love him in every given moment when he would lash out, I would just wrap my arms around him and just hold him and just say, it's okay, it's okay. I'm here. It's okay. And in that consistency of everything that showed up for him being okay, he learned how to really be in the world. Mm. Roll it on. And Ronnie went into a um, gymnastics competition and he went to elite level. He consistently would do repetitions, repetitions. He would have skin on his hands hanging off. And he would continually go because his isms were the gift of consistency without the voices of anything else coming in. Ronnie then went on to be in the competition at the London Open Arena, the same arena that Max Whitlock and international Olympic Olympians were competing in London. And first of all, it was the under 12 boys. Now, this is the men's artistic gymnastics. This isn't special needs. This isn't um, improvised in any way. This is the top of the top under 12 boys in men's artistics. So you have seven pieces of equipment. You have the ring exactly how you see it on the Olympics. The rings, the pole vault, everything. So... There he is doing his thing. There's 75 boys from all over the UK, England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales. You have the morning section and Ronnie was doing incredibly well and he was in the running for the top five. He was actually at the top in the morning. Then in the afternoon, you have the second set because there's 75 and they split them up. We're watching to see as the scores come in, it's like a pecking order. And somebody turned to me and said, <laughs> he's done it. He's mm -hmm. done it. He's won. 
<laughs> every time I say this, it never gets old. My heart just fills and I feel that emotion again of, wow, just wow. In that moment, my son stood on the podium and the number one spot lights on him and they all clap and it's, a, it's magnificent. My, man, my little man stood on that podium at 12, well, he was 11, with a gold medal and silvers and bronzes all put round his neck. And in that moment, they said he would never go to mainstream school. My son passed his 11 plus and he's at the top grammar school. My son stood on the podium for who he was because I didn't listen to somebody else dictate who he could be or who he couldn't. And in that moment, my heart filled of Ronnie is Ronnie. He has autism. He isn't autistic. It's Got it. yeah. who he is. Yeah. Um, and that was the turning point of me really stepping into believing that a person can really be impossibility when we love from a non-expectation or a entitlement. That if we're in the purity of just loving what is in the moment and believing that everybody can create, that it's always possible. That, I believe, was the reason why my son stood as an Olympic gold medalist on that podium. Absolutely incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's two things come to me. There's the part of loving what is, but also the part of being completely unwilling to accept anything other than the support that you needed for your son. You know what, Philippe, there was a moment where I was very angry and I was very angry. Mm. And I remember the, the words exactly. It was, and I hope it's okay to swear. <laughs> but Go it for was, it. Don't tell me what my fucking son is before he knows. Don't you, don't you. Like don't ruin his life. That's, you know, like. Right. Like don't, don't. Don't fucking ruin it for him. Like, let him, give him, like, this is a gift. Like, you just saw the gift in the isness, the gift mm. in, like you say, this consistency that is off the charts. Mm. Something that, uh, gosh, uh, I, I mean, I don't know any, any adult, let alone 12 year old kid who's, you know, doing gymnastics and his, you know, like at that level and just, just totally, totally, totally committed in the way that you were totally, totally committed as a mother mm. to him mm. and to being yeah. a mother that makes everything okay and loves what is. Yeah, because anything outside of that would have been suffering for us both. Yeah. That, that I was not willing at any point to believe anybody over my son on who he can be. Yeah. And it was ultimately a stand first and foremost for yourself. Yeah. For yourself and then for your son. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's so, 
That's so powerful. You're, you're spot on is that my whole life had been what I wasn't and what I didn't have. Yeah. And when you come with such love for your child, sometimes it takes that to really direct what's truly in your heart for yourself. But it came through the channel of this little innocent boy at two and a half years old, this blonde, curly, blue-eyed, lovely little lad, so lost. I could see me in him. Yeah. And in that dictation, all unconscious, but don't tell me this is who he is. How can you know? How can you know? Because he's unique. He's not a book. He's not a structure. He's not not a creation of, of you or, or what somebody else has been. He's fresh. He's new. He's pure. How can you know? And I wasn't willing. I think that's the key is for the first time in my life, I wasn't willing for another human being to dictate in that moment what was possible because I was so stuck in probably my own pain, if if I'm really honest, of me wanting to break so free myself. But I... Yeah, and, and, you know, I'm going to be, let's make this real as well. Like there were some big costs that you mm -hmm. paid in taking that stand. Yeah. Now you didn't you didn't say it this way but I'm I'm going to guess that one of the costs was your relationship. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was because there was a determination in me of a not willingness and a drive and it was you're either on board mm -hmm. or you're not and that's okay. I mean um the kids father we're best of friends and we have the most mm. amazing co-parenting relationship and it's fantastic and what i would say is i trust and and the reflection is everything happened the way it needed to happen right ronnie was born to me for who i am in my being yeah and he was gifted to me to help me to do the work and the love and, and learn so much. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. From this story, which has really shaped who you are today and everything that you're creating, and we're going to get to more of that. But something in the context of Steve Hardison happened that opened up a framework to what was behind Ronnie's success. Mm, What's the story behind that? So live event. So I get a message to say that there's going to be a live event. The book of being is out and I've, I'm reading the book and then there's an event coming and it's all the best of the best in the creating world of beings going to be there. And I was like, wow, this sounds incredible. And Are you talking about the event in London? Yeah, in yeah. London. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. In London. I think everyone's in London. <laughs> so, uh, and um, then I, I, there's a post and the post says Enneagram 8s. I'm calling Enneagram 8s. And I have a gift and I'd like all Enneagram 8s, this is a post by Steve on, on Facebook, to get in contact. 
at the time I was with my partner and he messaged me and he said, Steve Hardison's put this post on and you're an eight. Get in contact. And I was like, <laughs> get uh, involved. Yeah, yeah, like like message. And I was like, no, it's not for someone like me. Like that, no, I can't do that. And he said, do it. So I just impulsively just said, hey, I'm an eight. Then we get a message to say he selected eight eights. And the instruction was, I want you to all get together. This is Enneagram eights. I want you to all get together. And I want you to decide who gets the ring. And I am gifted my Enneagram ring that I had personally made that I've had, I think, around 20 years. Don't quote me on the figure, 15, 20 years. And I'm going to gift one of you with it. But you as eights have to decide who it's going to go to. Now, (laughs) this is insane because the personality trait of an eight is strong, assertive, independent, resourceful, determined, action-orientated, Every single eight in this group mm. is like, well, it does. It belongs to me. <laughs> is is Steve Hardison himself an eight as well? He is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So he knows what he's doing. It's like right. putting eight bulls in a <laughs> ring <laughs> and saying, "Right, fight it out." <laughs> Have fun. From love. Yeah. Right. So we all get together and. Um, It's so funny, Philippe, because we're all there from the way of being in love. Mm -hmm. And we're being so disingenuous because our hearts are like, I want the ring. But I also want to be the person that says, you have the ring. (laughs) (laughs) So we're in this real paradox of, I want to be the bigger person, but I want the ring. So we're courting this and, and, yeah. you know, and we're loving one another and sharing stories. Anyway, roll it on. And we really come to a conclusion and it was beautiful. Steve's clever because you got eights that really spent some time together, eight eights. And we really evolved into the bigger way of being, which is it will happen the way it needs to happen. And that our way of being is primary in this. Mm. And this is our lesson. This is our gift. The ring isn't the gift. The process is the gift. The ring is the sprinkles and the cherry, if you like. Mm. But let's really stay in the process of being. Let's not lose sight of it in our egoic, you know, low level eight. How can we really show up in our high level eight, which is really about the the je- you know we're willing to jeopardize ourselves for the for the greater good so let's trust in the process i mean that was that was massive that was everything roll it on we're at the event nobody so knows. hang on a sec so you oh, ended the call yeah yeah and 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 the outcome was let's try it'll happen the way it happens it was there was no trying to come to an agreement in that call there was basically, this isn't going to, this is, it's going to happen the way it's going to happen. So that's how you left the call. Yeah. We had okay. a couple of calls and the first call was, you know, like balls in a, in a ring. We all were in our egoic eight. And then through conversation, 
we really came to our high level Enneagram 8, which is the surrender of the egoic mind to come into the presence of what this truly is about. Mm, I hear that. Trust in the process. Okay, so the process then took you to the live event in yeah. London. Yeah, so we go to the live event and very exciting as as you know and you know Steve comes in and there's you know I never forget the way he walks in it's like stop judging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember that moment? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Um and it was electric and we come to lunch nobody knows what's going on and then we're at the Thai restaurant and the phone pings and it says Steve Hardison is in the waiting room. Be there in five minutes in the reception lobby. And we're like, oh, oh my goodness, quick, the bill, leave the noodles, let's go. And we rush back to the lobby and there's Steve and there's, um, oh, what's the other man's name who who gave the talk? Karan, um, oh, What's yeah, it? yeah, Quran. It is Quran. Yeah, 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 it is Quran. Yeah. Quran so, is probably the only man I've heard that is as consistent as your son running. <laughs> yeah, seven marathons. <laughs> lovely, I love it. So he was sitting there as well, and he's very suave, you know, and yeah. he's sitting there, and there's a energy. And as I enter the room, the other eights are sitting round, and so we're in a circle on the settees, and I walk in. And Steve says, wow, you're a picture. And straight away, I'm like, I get a little rabbit in headlights, like trying to act cool, like it's an everyday thing. (laughs) But I've never been in this environment before. And I remember just taking a breath and having an internal word that says, be me, just be me. And so I sat down and Steve shared the story of the ring. And I'd love to share it. So the story of this ring was made because Steve had a unexpected um, attack, if you like, where he was in chronic pain and he actually thought he was dying. He was rushed to the hospital and he says... And I might not have it spot on, but this is the outline. He said, I remember laying there in such agony that I thought this is it. And I have regret that I've not lived my best life. As he laid there and the doctors came and he really was in that, the doctors then found out that it was actually gallstones that he had a number of gallstones that were stuck. He was rushed to surgery. They removed the gallstones. Steve came in this story from a perspective of this ring was then made. He was an Enneagram 8, and he had the Enneagram ring made. And he had it made because he wanted to be a stand for living a life with no regret that he lived his best life in every minute, not knowing when the end would come. Mm. In the center of that Enneagram ring is a stone. And he asked us in that moment, 
Have a look at the ring. What do you think the stone is? It is a unique stone. And he took it to a jeweler and he said to the jeweler, if you can guess what this stone is, I don't know whether he said, I'll give you the ring or I'll give you an amount of money, but even the jeweler couldn't identify the stone. The stone were his gallstones. Oh, wow. (laughs) Far out. Yeah, he had them crushed and made, and he had the Enneagram um, sig- uh, sign made and designed. It's actually here, Philip, and your, you people can't see it, but there it is. It's got the Enneagram um, symbol around it, and then his gallstones sealed inside to remind him to play his A game to really show up and he had four words engraved inside the ring now he didn't tell us what the four words were and he then leaned in and he leant forward and he has such presence he leaned in and he said i'm going to ask each and every one of you now to say one word of what this ring will mean for you go So he went to Quran and Quran said his word. And then from nowhere, and I don't know to this day where it came from, because I just had this real presence of, can I go next? Because I didn't, again, the same story. I didn't want the outside world to affect my truth of words for me. I didn't want to listen and be affected which is the same principle as as my son. But I said, can I go? And he said, yeah. And I said my word. And then he went round and people said their words. And before he got to the end person, he reached across and he said, Lindsay, this belongs to you. And in that moment, I can honestly say it was the same feeling. I actually shake now. Mm-hmm in my body which was I did this I did this yeah I through who I am being I just was being me yeah so pure and so true it was the same of joy pure joy Mm. in that moment just felt so loved so seen so heard so so valued by life itself on what it was giving me back of that feeling of being seen so purely so lovingly without trying without agenda Mm. just being is incredible and so my word was legacy to me ronnie all the work that we do, everything that we're involved in is to create a legacy that goes on and lives on that helps to create for the next generation and the next generation impossibility. That if I die in this moment, that there is a legacy through who I am being that allows impact on the next person. Wow. And you know, what I'm hearing is, it's not the word legacy, but you were being that legacy in sharing that word. Right. 
Um, there could have been other people, even yourself included, that had said legacy. But it was the place from which you came from. I really hear that. And I'm moved by that. And what a beautiful and powerful reminder for all of us. It was in that moment of coming from pure mm. self. Of, yeah. It wasn't about me getting the ring. Right. It was about me being a stand for what I truly believe I am. Mm -hmm. Who I be in the creation of possibility again, but this time rather than me being a stand for my son, I was in that moment a stand for me. Yeah. And it felt again, yeah. It was the same stand that wasn't going to accept anything less than help for your son. Yeah, it was it was that that the access you had to that powerful way of being. Well, the access to her to who you really are. Mm, mm, without the stories. Yeah. So at what point did you or did those four words reveal themselves to you? <laughs> so it was so exciting because all the eights were there and they're like, mm -hmm. what the words? What are the words? And there was part of me, I hadn't shared the words at all until this moment, that these words are what I believe are the creation of the legacy that we all are part of. So the words are, the first word on the ring is presence. And Steve said, these four words were my commitment to living the life that I love and playing my A game as an eight. Mm. Presence, being truly present in the moment of now. Because the next word is truth. Creating a truth that comes from the next word, which is innocence. When we see the innocence and create a truth and be so present, for the last word is awareness. In this new awareness, in this present moment, with this truth from seeing the innocence, anything is possible. I'm just letting that sink in. Hmm. Yeah. It feels like that's something that has been within you all along, yet seeing it made a profound impact. Well, I guess what I'm curious about is, you know, it's almost like something that's always been there. But when you see it in that simplicity, in that framework, in those four words, kind of lands differently, doesn't it? It's so pure. Yeah, it's so pure. Yeah. Wow. It, it, has, yeah. it has that profoundness of we were truly born this way. And if yeah. we live from this place more often than not, then we're going to lead one hell of a life. Yeah. And that this, this commitment to these four words really, for me, encapsulate everything is how did, you know, how did I survive having an alcoholic, self-harming mother and abusive emotionally and physically father? How did I 
go through being kidnapped and, and homeless? And how did I go through all of those profound experiences to come to mm. this, even now, speaking and sharing? Yeah. How does it all happen? Those four words for me, mm-hmm. when we trust in becoming truly present without a past or a future entitlement or definition, right. we can create. And- unwillingness mm. to be told mm. who we are, what's possible, how we're limited. Yeah. 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 You know, you know, Lindsay, there's something I want to share that's just come to me from from your sharing. And it's um about ten years ago I suffered a downhill biking accident that was very severe. And I was with my brother and we would race a lot. And um at the risk of, yeah, I, I took a curve and fell over and um, my foot just popped out. And it was, it's a long story, but it, I took a helicopter and eight men to carry me out of the ditch I fell into and I was helicoptered to hospital. And by the time I got to hospital, my leg, my foot had swollen so much that they tried to take my shoe off, but they were afraid that if they took my shoe off the whole foot would be in in their hands. That's how much little skin was left hanging on. And so because it had swollen so much, they said that they had to put some anti, anti-swelling anti stuff and they had to wait 12 hours before they could even do anything because there was so much swelling. And they said, typically in these things, you know, there's a big chance that we're going to have to just cut your foot off and amputate because the swelling doesn't usually come down to the point where we can operate. And um, there was like a healthy disregard I had for that truth. There was a, a point where it was just like, that's, that's a possibility. That's an opinion. That's, that's, that's just one thing. And in that moment, something magical happened. I just decided that I'm just going to be present with what is. I'm not going to entertain the stories of me losing my foot. Um, but it didn't work very well because I also had, you know, I'm human, right? So I also fell into this, oh, you know, what would it be like? And so conversations came up around artificial foots and I was showing pictures and I was like, no, I don't even want to see any of that. 12 hours later, through a series of, of just miracles, the, well, the swelling was, went down enough for them to say, we're going to do an operation, but just know there's an 80% chance that you will not be able to walk. And by that, I mean, no dancing, no, no driving, like all those things, right? But with an artificial foot, you know, you'll, with the technology, there, there's still much more mobility you'll have today. And when I came out of the operation, they still, you know, I had all these like things in my foot. I had like uh, a metal rod on both sides, things sticking out. I didn't know. I, I did. I looked at my foot. And I was just. I just didn't even recognize anything. It was just so weird, you know. And and I and I was like, okay, it was kind of like drilled together. And um, they said, well, good news, you know that, um, it, you know that there were there were enough zer- nerves for it to be intact, and I was actually able to to move just um, like one of my toes, and that was enough to say that the nervous system works. So from that, he said, well, it's. Uh, Take you about two years to recover before you can actually put the full weight on your foot and that'll require a lot of physiotherapy and you may be able to walk one day. Now, 
my mom in, held my foot. My mom's an osteopath. She understands the body differently than traditional doctors. And she just felt all the liaisons. And she said, no, you'll be fine. You'll be able to walk. <laughs> and it's weird because there's something I heard, you know, I heard the truth in that. Mm. And that's something I, 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 I could be present. Now, I didn't know when. And I saw the innocence in the doctors doing their job, mm. preventing, you know, wanting to really like just say it as it is. And then the awareness piece came when I got to see that I can choose. I actually get to choose how I want to deal with this. I decided that I was going to walk in two months and I didn't do, I didn't wait for physiotherapy. I just got out on and started um, moving as much as I could. I had crutches and I would just go up and down the stairs and every day I was able to just to do a little more and more. I don't know where it came from. It just came from a decision that I'm going to walk in two months. I was jogging. I was oh dancing. my goodness. I was free. Wow. And, you know, I've never shared that story like that in this way, but it just felt like a story that you shared, something everyone has that story within them. So yeah. true. So true. We can, we can recognize that in others. And when we don't accept a diagnosis, we're free to create a possibility beyond what we're told. Way beyond. Yeah. Way beyond. Way beyond. Yeah. Months it was. Yeah. Yeah. And since then, my legacy has been to have a healthy disregard for what's possible. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, and that is true freedom. True freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And and that actually creates just that that way of being. I know we talk about being, but it's so profound when it is so heart centered. The power of it is is electric and and miracles. I mean, that's right. Two years to two months. It's a miracle. Yeah, yeah it's not. It's it it's it's like you said. Yeah, it's it's extraordinary. It's it's beyond explanation. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. And if I showed you the videos of my son, mm -hmm. there's no way you would see who he is now. Oh, you know what I would love is if you could share that. And I'm sure there are listeners that would love to see that. Maybe we could post that in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, I would, I, 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 I'm sure there would be other people as well that would love to see Ronnie in action. Yeah, definitely. I can yeah. show. There's a lovely video of him doing um, his his pommel and he's falling off and falling off. And then you see him doing mm. the show. I mean, it's incredible. But yeah. again, the the willingness, you said yeah. the word, Philippe, I wasn't willing. Yeah. I think that really is the beginning of the process of the miracles mm -hmm. that we can create is, are you willing? Yeah. Are you willing yeah. to choose? to become very present in your choice right now 
And that's the truth in which you create mm -hmm. from. And it has to have an innocence attached to it without a dictation of expectation. And from that awareness, everything becomes just, just a gift. Just a gift. And it starts with the awareness of choice. Doesn't it? Yeah. That's actually the first I would, um, I would put awareness as number one. I would, <laughs> I would play around with that. Uh, yeah. Well, it's the ring, you see. <laughs> it's a, yeah, actually, it's, 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 it's nonlinear because, Ooh. you know, it, anything can be, it, you know, it's like, like the eight, you know, it's, yeah. there's no, there's no real order to it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I like Peter because it reminds me of the, uh, the wonderful bread. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But isn't it? Doesn't it just you know uh, stories like your sto your story of just how you overcome the outside dictation of the limitation of what somebody else has experienced, even in professionalism. Yeah, that we must always stay present to our own um, willingness to create. Yeah. We never lose touch of that or we put somebody above us or we, we step into like a guru, you know, they know better. Yeah. No one knows you like you. That's right. That's right. I actually heard someone say this the other day when you put someone on a pedestal or when you look up or they know better, you're actually looking down on yourself. Absolutely. Uh, abs that's just beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no... There's no freedom because it's not coming from an eye. It's coming yeah. from a pen. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. to me, I mean, I have this ring on, you know, behind me, I have the medal of Ronnie. In front of me, right here, I have Steve's ring. And it's not there for me to um, use it as Steve gave me his ring. Mm. It's that is the ring of how to create being powerfully that we all come from. Right. That is all of us. That ring is all of us. We're all in that. So, so I know you're you're in the East Midlands, and I, I want to give you an opportunity to share about something exciting that's coming up at the end of the month. Uh, I know that along with um, two other wonderful guests we've had on the show, uh, JP Morgan and Darren, who um coming together, the three of you, for a very special event. Would you like to share a little bit about that? I'd love to. So um, on the 30th of June this this month, um, we are doing a two-day love and money event, which is really, it's spectacular. It's really helping people to create powerfully in how they hold stories of themselves, how mm. they create the book of themselves. You know, just how we're networking, you know, with the being movement on being trainers of how to create a powerful way of being a book of your own, a story of self that creates so powerfully from, you know, presence and creating a new truth. We're very fortunate to have Stuart Pierce who is the voice coach to the king here in the UK. Um, and he is a magnificent man. So collectively, 
this is an in-person event that really is about exactly what we've been talking about, how to create the freedom to speak an eye that is so pure, that is full of innocence, that just feels joyful, joyful mm. to be out in the world. Um, so anybody who is really resonating with the champion in themselves, you know, the gold medalist in them, we all have a gold medalist um, sitting within us and locating that and creating the way of being and driving from that. That's what we're here to create on this event, two-day event this at the end of this month. So if wow. anybody's interested to go across to creating and um, get their ticket because it's going to be phenomenal. I have no doubt, Lindsay, you are a champion of champions. Thank you. Thank you so much. For those that really resonate with what you've shared and want to connect with you and get in conversation with you, what would be the best way for them to to reach out and to find out more about what you're up to and your work? Yeah. So um, there's two ways you can get through to me. You can come directly to lindsaycap.com, which is through through my website, and also through creating. We do some amazing work at creating and on the creating website, you know, you can get in touch with me there and the rest of the team. So multiple ways facebook just reaching out on messenger nothing too technical but if you want to be in powerful conversation on how to elevate your way of being for yourself for others and in the world i would welcome a conversation with anyone what a beautiful invitation Lindsay. thank you for your time thank you for your sharings what an inspiration you are and uh, i'm going to ask you for those videos of Ronnie. I look forward to watching those. Yes. And for all of those of you going to London, um, what an amazing treat you're in for. Thank you so much. It's Thank been a real delight to have you with us. Thanks, Philippe. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach Book, and more. Simply go now to www.theultimatecoachbook.com. That's www.theultimatecoachbook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be you.